Hello, listeners. Welcome back. <laughs> Everyone's just realised we're recording. We're going to be talking about China, and four is a magic number. We're seeing that in the first couple of weeks of looking at China post 1949. The number four just keeps coming up time and time again to signify significant like events or ideas or concepts. So we decided to make an episode about it um, to talk about one, the campaign against the four pets, Mao's great leap forward, this planned disaster that happens. Then we're going to talk about the Gang of Four, how Mao is operating in Shanghai and he's trying to get back into power start of the Cultural Revolution, and then an attack on the four olds. And we were just talking about one of the four olds that were getting attacked, which was a part of the customs and foot binding. And the first question that I'm going to ask is, is Mao completely justified because at least it gets rid of the nasty foot binding? What does everybody think? Jack? Yeah, probably not. No? A lot of other bad things happen. A lot of other bad things happen. Jaden, the, the trade-off of the famine, but you get rid of foot binding. Is it worth it? Uh, it's nasty, but yeah, no, nah, there's also a lot of other issues you can have to face as well, I guess. Yeah. Ben? Yeah. Not worth it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty messed up, but it's yeah. still not worth it. And girls, this is the first time that you saw the pictures of the foot binding. Yeah. What do you think? Because we wouldn't have the blokes have talked so far, we wouldn't be getting our feet binded. What do you think? Are we being misogynistic about it? No, that's so gross. It's really gross. <laughs> it's really yeah. gross. But at the cost of famine. No. I'd rather starve. <laughs> I'd rather starve than have your foot broken and morphed into a little triangle. Yeah. Yeah. Radio. we're going to start from the beginning. So as I said from the top, 1949, the communists are in power, the nationalists are in Taiwan. And if we jump forward a little bit, we're going to start around the fact that Stalin is dead. So it's 1953, Stalin is dead. He was in charge of the whole uh, communist experiment. And now that he's dead, Mao's thinking, heck yeah, I'm going to take my spot at the top of global communism. And he kicks that off with his great leap forward. So just going to start off with what's a simple sentence or a way that we could frame to someone who's never heard about the great leap forward, how would we describe it? Does anyone want to start off? I guess like, like a way to like try to, to improve the country in agricultural and industrial, but turns out to be a big failure yeah so it's not great in the end but you hit yeah. on the two things of yeah. agriculture and industry improvement over a short period of time where have we seen this playbook used before Stalin Stalin. back in it's around 1930 I think it was from 1929 to 1933 yeah around the 20s and 30s he's trying to rapidly industrialize who was Stalin trying to be? What country? US. The US. And Mao, it's like not a very humble person, but he obviously understands he can't catch up to the US. What's his target that he's setting? He wants to be 
some other country. Uh, the UK, yeah. Yeah. So he's set in the UK, the old colonial power that at one time or another had control over China. So great leap forward, not so great, but China is going to walk on two legs, try to do both at the same time, do what Stalin couldn't do. Um, so how does that turn out? Jade, what's uh, an example that you could give for what's a failure of the Great Leap Forward? What do they try to do, but it doesn't work out in the end? They try to get rid of four pests, the flies, mosquitoes, rats, and sparrows by just like killing them all. And like people would shoot sparrows and destroy their nests and then like go outside and just smash on pots until like the sparrows would fly around and then just die because they're so tired. And, um, but it ended up being a failure because what was the thing that came? What's it called? The locusts. The locusts locust came after the sparrows. Because the sparrows couldn't eat locusts anymore because they're all dead. So, like, the whole point was to make sure that the crops survived, but the locusts started attacking the crops too. So, it was a big failure. Yeah. And Ben, what did you find out that they did once they realised that they destroyed the food chain? What was then their next big plan to fix it? The sparrows from Russia, Ben. <laughs> yeah, well, their like ecosystem was kind of ruined because they just didn't have any birds to get rid of all the insects. So they ended up, the government ended up importing 250,000 from the Soviet Union. Mm. I don't know how they did that, but they did it somehow. Yeah, we were just discussing how do you get, what was it, 250,000 yeah. sparrows <laughs> from from the Soviet Union? Well, I guess that could have been anywhere in the Soviet Union, but still boxcars or planes full of sparrows or <laughs> boats with shipping containers full of sparrows. <laughs> I imagine some percentage of them didn't make it, or maybe they just sent them up in a flock and they were like, yeah, just go that way towards China, please go that way. Um, what were some other failures of the Great Leap Forward? Yep, they destroy the food chain temporarily, um, which causes famine because the crop yields go down. And if you don't feed people when you have close to a billion people in the country, you can have quite large numbers. In fact, let's start with that. Does anybody have a ballpark figure of how many people died during the Great Leap Forward? Wasn't it like 30 to 45 million? Yeah, 30 to 45 million. Huge number when you think about that under Stalin's five-year plans and we think about him as you know, being quite evil or quite radical in his changes and he's looking after quite a large population as well, that you have about six to nine million people perish under his famines as well and political purges. So this, yeah, huge numbers. But... It can't just be the food. How else are things going so wrong in this short period of time? Anybody want to add anything else? There's lots to add. I mean, didn't they like destroy homes and that just to try to get iron in that? Because I saw like third was like thirty percent of homes in that were destroyed just to make fertilizer or something. Yeah, because they were living in like mud huts. Yeah, and they had nowhere to live. Yeah. So they're destroying their homes to be using them as fertilizer to increase the crop yields. Why is 
seems like a dumb idea because then you can't live in the house. So what else is going on? Paint more of a picture to the listener. You're saying they're tearing down their houses to get more food. What is making this happen? Would that be like the communes? Like they were living on communes. And like I think I saw it was like 90-something percent of the rural population was living at communes at one point. Yep. A lot of people. It was like a mixture of propaganda, but also some people just wanted to go there. And they were destroying like all these pots and pans to try and make iron. But then it turns out it was just terrible quality iron when they took it to the factories and they just couldn't use it. So it's wasted their time. Yeah. So that's the second part of the walking on the two legs that there's the commune in communism. So take all the people living as individuals and you force them all together and you give them a set target or goal. And in this case, it's we've got to grow more stuff and we've got to make more stuff because then it makes economy good. <laughs> Unfortunately, when there's not enough planning and you take away the like the free market mechanics like they do and we haven't even talked about the carters yet so they're living in their communes they're getting barked at orders like you got to make more you got to make more you make more like are there farmers around to help people or what else has happened oh, didn't they <clears throat> they got rid of like all the professionals didn't they? The smart people. yeah revolutionaries so then, so then they Thing. we talked about a thing and they thought oh the crops will go better if we plant the seeds deeper into the ground which it's not how plant planting plants work <laughs> yeah just deep plowing yes it, no if you deeper yeah if you dig them deeper they'll grow stronger it's like no that's a dumb idea and they they've killed or they've killed or removed all the farmers again it's repeating it's like what stalin did to the kulaks like why did they kill all the farmers and stuff the people who did own the land and use the land productively. Aren't they just landowners? Yeah. Yep. They're landowners. So they're the quote unquote undisputed enemies of this new revolution. So whether or not they were like, they just get tarred with a brush. It's like you own land before. So therefore you were profiting off suffering. So we're going to remove you. And we're going to do it better, even though we don't have the skills. And we'll come up with these random ideas. The pots and pans. Let's go to that. Can we flesh that out a bit more? And we, we watched the movie, which is like the Chinese forest gum called To Live. So maybe Paige, you saw that scene where they're like working and they've got the smelting and they've got the puppet show going. Or maybe paint that picture to someone who hasn't seen the film what do these like what does this backdrop in these communes look like um they are like crowded little streets like cobblestone streets and there's just big like smelter things in the backyards and everyone like even the children are like throwing all their pans and their cutlery and all that kind of stuff so we can get more iron and yeah and it, like jack said turns out to be really bad so I can't do anything with it anyways. Yeah. And are the kids going to school or are they making iron? They're making yeah. iron, aren't they? Factories. Yeah. Yeah. So like this sole driven purpose to make the iron in these different little communes and like you guys have both pointed out, starting with Jack, the iron finally gets to the engineers and the engineers are like, well, this is pig iron. Like I can't build a bridge with this. It's, you basically just wasted your time and you destroyed all your resources. 
Uh, what were some other things that perhaps they rushed into too quickly, too exuberantly, and end up destroying destroying in the end? Talked a bit about the environment just as a way to get the brains turning over. With this, is this like the dams that Mel wanted to build? He wanted to build like shit ton of dams and then um just, just never ended up working yeah like so, they destroyed lots of like forests and stuff and then it just never ended up happening yeah well even just to run the smelters in the backyard so they cut down huge amounts of the woodlands and they have the yellow river that floods every year all the time very disruptive well we're, now we're going to tame all the waterways and build all these dams and they're all dug by hand and people die because they're just forced to work out in these dams by hand shovels just moving huge amounts of earth which now a day would we do that if we had to dig a new dam so we had to dig keep it again we'd just send everybody that lives in tamworth and corindai and Weres creek up there with a shovel to dig a dam yep. <laughs> you get full employment but probably not. No. You what you use machinery and all that sort of stuff, which they didn't have, but they had a whole lot of people and a whole lot of will. Is there anything else from the Great Leap Forward that we want to talk about, or we want to move on to what then happens to Mao? I think it makes sense to talk about what happened there. Okay, so tell us they, then. Didn't he like lose power because of that? Was <laughs> is 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 like he wasn't capable of leading the country. Didn't he try like the five-year plan twice, but both failed? Yeah, so there was an initial first plan, which was kind of successful. Oh, so, <laughs> yeah, it's just like modest re like modest reforms, giving some land to the, to the Chinese peasantry and trying to bring in gender equality. The second one, the Great Leap Forward, which we've been talking about, was an absolute disaster. So you're right. Yeah. Undermines Mao. Where does Mao go? Why? Um, he yeah. like connections and that there with his wife. Um, Jane. He used to live there. He's born there. But then yeah. in was it Beijing where he was? Is it? Oh, what was the name of the other fella? But he was yeah. like, yeah, yeah they, were, they were kind of seen as equals for the first time. He wasn't as dominant, so he thought it was a good idea to get out of there. Okay, can we say the name again? Because we had three people say it. so again. <laughs> just people who are trying to learn and pick up on it. Who's Mao's equal now? Mao hasn't had an equal. Liu Xiaoqi, I think that's it. Yep, so Liu. Liu is now up there. He's being called the chairman. Mao's not the chairman anymore. Who else is an important figure that is um, perhaps taking authority or starting to share power away from him? Like yeah, yeah, cool. And he's going to come up as an important figure later. So let's go back to what you were saying, Jaden. So he's in Shanghai. He's there because he's got connections with his his wife and his fourth wife. His fourth wife, yeah. yep, Zhang, and or Madame Mao would use them interchangeably. Then what happens? He's not just chilling there with his didn't wife she, in Shanghai. Yeah, didn't she form the Gang of Four? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what's so the Gang of Four? What's their role? What what is happening? 
what is happening. Yeah, Jaden's looking for some somebody else to come in and talk. He's been doing a cracker job. So I'm not quite sure. I'm pretty sure it's three other men, and they were pretty high up in politics, I'm guessing. And yeah, Madam Mao, she kind of formed them together to kind of be like uh, strong, like way stronger. And uh, they formed to try and get rid of Xiao Qi and Xiaoping. And yeah, they began the culture. Is it cultural revolution? Yeah, revolution. <laughs> what time is this happening? If we're going to place it, mm-hmm. I have the the Gang of Four emerged um, in the spring of nineteen seventy six. Yeah. So it says here. I looked it up on Google. <laughs> Check it out. Cultural mm-hmm. revolution. Oh, the cultural revolution. Yeah. Yeah. When's our culture? Yeah. 1966. Yeah. So if we're placing ourselves in time, 66 is when the cultural revolution is starting. Great Leap Forward has failed. Mao is in Shanghai. He's teaming up with his wife. As Ben saying, there are other people who are on the side of Mao wants to kind of leech off his influence. It's like, yep, I'll be a part of this gang of four and we're going to launch the cultural revolution. Yeah. What, and and it's being driven by a man. What's his aim? Like, why is he wasting time? He's an old bloke by now. Why doesn't he just, you know, go, he's probably still going to be rich and powerful. So what's his aims with the cultural revolution? Is it to get rid of the old four? And probably also because he wanted to redeem himself after the Great Leap Forward. It was a bit embarrassing. Oh, wasn't it because of his legacy? That was his yeah. one of his yeah. methods and aim. Or aim yeah. He yeah. wanted to improve his legacy so it wasn't seen as a failure. Mm-hmm. And didn't he want to prove that like communism works? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, he had a point to prove his legacy was at risk. Like he could have... He could have become the whole scapegoat for the Great Leap Forward. So just think it's so bad that the party might just get to the point of rewriting the history books of Mao was a psycho and it's all his fault and it's not the party's fault. And Mao's come through um, the Long March, reforming China, making it a sovereign state, and he's had this colossal stuff up. So he's aim not so much his methods yet we're going to get into that his aim is like you said is i'm going to get control of my legacy again i can't let them undermine me so the only way i can do that is i have to destroy my rivals i need to get back into where i'm controlling the narrative again so what are the methods we're going after the four i was going to say didn't you target the youth to like make like propaganda and that like posters and that because they're going to be like, you know, the new upcoming and that. And yep. That's how like the Red Guards would form prison, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What else? What are the four olds, if we're going to start off with that? So our next set of four. They were the ideas, customs, cultures and habits of old China. Before he came in. Yeah, before he came in and put communism into place. Yeah. So we already talked about foot binding so just like this archaic sort of tradition which was already outlawed 
some people are still doing it, but you can hold it up as like, look at this disgusting thing. Like we're against that. And all the young people would have been like, heck yeah, let's, like, I'm on board. But then we're getting into some other things. So like culture or religion and, or anything that's imperial or Chinese New Year. Why is he trying to get rid of all of that? <laughs> if you pick that up on the audio, someone isn't dying. We've got kids out in the playground. Just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> Wait, is that some footballing going on out there? Jeez. I thought that was outlawed. Okay, why is he attacking everything about old China? Because it doesn't fit with the communism ideology. I'm not really sure. As well as getting rid of ideas so people don't rival with him. Yeah. Just kind of opposing. So is it more of like an excuse for attacking and removing rivals? Yes. Yeah. You're a taker of the capitalist road. You have to be purged. You have to be put in prison because what you're saying is dangerous and it's old school. But in reality, Mao's got a list of these people he needs to get rid of and if he can paint them with the brush send the gang of four and the red guard to work like why isn't Mao just doing it because then like he could get taken out of power pretty easily if he gets caught doing stuff like that so yeah yeah so he's got plausible deniability that's the word yeah so the gang of four acts as his shield almost and the red guard is his army but it's controlled by the gang of four so he's a few steps removed which is just like i don't know what you're talking about i'm just busy just learning how to swim really fast (laughs) as we will come to later (laughs) um when the red guard and the students are making their posters and attacking the four olds, what are the people in Beijing doing? Are they just sitting there taking it? Or is there at least some sort of resistance to what Mao's doing? Um, I'm not sure about like the actual citizens being resistant, but I know that Lin, Bi- Lin Biao was, what do they call it, like Mao's uh, successor? Like, yeah, Lin Biao, who was the head of the military, and friends with Mao basically just told the military not to do anything against the Red Guards. So there was just nothing they could really do. Yeah, that even though you got Liu and Dang, who are at threat of being removed, they're trying to counter what Mao's doing, but like their hands are tied when they can't even use the army, which is supposed to be loyal to the party. It's you got Lin Biao, he's basically like he abolishes all the ranks in the army. And then says, yeah, don't touch the red guard. Don't touch those kids. And like, what are the kids? And then the kids are emboldened. Like, what are some of the things they end up doing? They're like killing the teachers, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Killing the teachers. Yeah. Removing one, one, the yeah. doctors and pretty yeah. much every professional. Yeah. yeah. So you remove anybody from any sort of intellectual or high-ranking position and... The way you do it is that you paint them as one of these people who are hanging on to the old days, holding us back. And what you're doing is that's dangerous. 
do we think that this is the worst case of communism that we've seen so far today? And we've looked at lots of examples over the last year or so. We've looked at, and this will be our last thing, we've looked at Stalin, we've looked at Cuba. Is this, like, even, like, what we looked at with the Nazis taking over, is this kind of the worst case of centralised power that we've seen to date? Anybody got any feelings about that? It's definitely up there. I don't yeah. think Cuba was the worst because weren't they enslaved by the Spanish, was it? Yeah. So, yeah, they they didn't really do anything. Mao, like, <laughs> up to what Mao was doing. So. Okay, yeah. No, that's a really that's a really fair point. I would say it probably is because like 40 million people died. And like the things that were going on due to them being hungry, like parents were like eating their children. It was insane. It's, I don't think anything's that bad. So I've, I've got this at number one. <laughs> I think it's pretty neck and neck for Stalin and Mao because what Stalin was doing with his purges and just how terrified like everyone was of him. And just, yeah, I reckon they're pretty neck and neck equal for how bad they both were. Mm. Stalin's got these lists mm. and where he's sending out the KGB or any other sort of secret secret police to remove you. And it's not just remove you, it's remove the people who live next door to you and your family members and their children. So you're under this constant veil of fear is that constant veil of fear still in China, but there's just not a secret police. It's just right out in the open. And you've got people walking through the streets, carrying Mao's little red book and being like, you better not be old school or we're going to beat you up. Is that worse than the secret police and people pretending like everything's okay? <laughs> what do you think, Paige? Would you rather it be out in the open or would it be like, Everyone's pretending it's okay, but really it's not okay. Maybe if you pretend hard enough, it might be okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. They're, like Ben said, pretty close, I'd say. Like, Stan killed someone for stopping clapping. Like, that's pretty far-fetched. <laughs> so, but then, you know, Mao's making people tear down their houses and stuff. So, I don't know. There's both pretty extreme. Mm. Yeah. Jay? Um, I agree with Paige. They're all, both very extreme examples of communism and they both did pretty stupid things that ended up with a lot of lives being lost. So, you know. Hmm. Is ego a really big driving factor in all these stories? Is the biggest takeaway from looking at all these cases is that when ego and centralised power kind of comes together, it doesn't matter if you call it capitalism or fascism or communism whatever it's really just one bloke or one woman or one small tight-knit group mm -hmm. that is basically just trying to pump themselves up trying to be an emperor but not calling themselves that yes no it's like i know like say like australian's prime minister they don't care they're prime minister they, they know how much power they got, but like with Mao and Stalin, they know they're the leader of the country, yet they still want to drive for more power. And yeah, yeah just cost famine, death, just yeah, horrible stuff. Mm. 
and that when these groups are in power for perhaps too long or they remove the authority of any other group, that that causes perhaps some of the issues. Yeah. Yes. 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 I agree. Democracy good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's probably something we could talk about on another episode, but we're about to run out and we're hitting our 30 minute mark. So we're going to say goodbye. Hopefully you've enjoyed this latest episode and we'll see you next time. So goodbye from me. Bye. <laughs> see you later. Catch you later. See you. Bye-bye.